Welcome back to La Magicast. This is our recap episode, but wait a minute. Hold that microphone. We have breaking news that is only breaking in the sense that it is breaking our hearts once again as Roma fans. We just can't get away with things being easy. We have a great season, but instead of being able to relax this offseason, no, we've got drama. And, of course, drama is spelled B-E-N-A-T-I-A. I want to discuss this Benatia situation. Guys, what the heck is going on? Excellent intro, uh, Gray. I, well, I don't know yeah, if you've nice heard it. I don't know if you've heard, but I am the Francesco Totti of Google Hangouts. Indeed, so. indeed you are. <laughs> We're going to have to explain that reference as we go. Um, right, so, Medi Benatia. Alex, you got the quotes in front of you, right? I'm fine at Roma, but a renewal isn't possible, and I'm 27. An age which offers from big clubs make you think. Can you read it like as if you were Medi Benatia? <laughs> No, that's too much pressure, man. Okay, you're right. It's it's not fair to ask you to act live on a pre-recorded <coughs> podcast. Yeah, I I would say it's coming out like um, you know, a little bit pimpy. You know, I think he's I think he's got a little bit of swagger to it. Yeah, I mean, all joking aside, and we only joke because if we take it too seriously, we're just going to start to cry. But he um at the core of what he says, I don't think he's necessarily saying anything. He's not saying anything that m- probably most players don't think. But there's a difference between most players and Mehdi Benatia. Mehdi Benatia was the club's third-choice captain this season, and he wore the armband a lot. He actually wore it in our final game of the season for almost the entire game, if not the whole game. I can't remember if he was subbed out or not. Um, so for a third-choice captain, a player who before this year at Roma was at Udinese, who means a lot to the team now, who's be kind of become world-class this season under Rudy Garcia, arguably the best player in Serie A this entire season, for him to insinuate that Roma are not a big club and that they don't make him dream, something isn't quite adding up. Now, of course, the rumor bubbling under the surface is that Benatia wants a big pay raise and that um, either Roma don't want to match his demands or that Roma can't. This is all conjecture, of course. But the interesting point is that he says that... a. Um, what was the phrase he used? That a, a re-signing is impossible, Alex? Yeah. Something along those lines. Um, which to me means one of three things. One, that the club won't raise him at all, which would seem off to me because we talked about this before the podcast a little bit, but last season the club gave Florenzi a, a pretty sizable raise and he was making a very low amount and he's still making a pretty low amount, but they did that I think mid-season. So it's been done before. And given how important Benatia is, I can't see why they wouldn't raise him. He's only on, I think, a million and a half a year right now. Um, or it's that his wage demands are too high and the club won't match it. Or he just wants to leave the club. But I find it hard to believe that Pelota, after giving De Rossi a pretty big salary, Pjanic with bonuses more or less met what he wanted, which was $4 million a year. Pjanic was also at the club for three years, and he was performing year in and year out. Um, so I don't know. Where, where do you guys even want to take this? Um. I, I just think uh, the club and especially Sabatini did so much to reconstruct the wage system that I think it's important to have a stance where the club says, well, okay, you deserve a raise, but within those limits. And right now we don't know how much 
money we're talking about here, but obviously there there was a long process to resign Pjanic, and uh, now we hear rumors of of uh, Jarvinio wanting an increase of of his wage, and now Benatia. Perhaps it's not about the money with Benatia; it's just the the wish to play for uh, a club like Barcelona or Manchester City. So basically, I think it will be hard to deal with both his desire of trophies and money. So it's a tough spot to be in. So uh, it's really hard to say where this Benatia thing will go. But I wouldn't be surprised if we end up selling him, even though he has four years left on his contract. So uh, My thoughts are this, and I actually had a uh, decent... Lengthy conversation uh, with Libero today after or at the end of the Google Hangout. And what we were talking about, or one of the things that we were talking about, is these kinds of requests or demands or scenarios play out all the time. Uh, the thing is, a lot of the time we don't hear about it because they're handled in a proper way between the DS and the player's agent and the player and the team and, you know, all right, what are your actual needs? You know, how can we make this work? Blah, 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 blah. So my issue is how he went about doing all of this. So going, saying it over the press, saying it when he doesn't have to face his coach or his teammates uh, directly. You know, it seems like there's, a, there's a, an element of cowardice almost to it in how he went about doing it. So if you want yeah. these things, and, and that's fine. These are legitimate things that, that happen in the business of the, of the game all the time. Uh, but do it the right way. And I, that's really what bothers me the, the most. I mean, yes, I don't want to lose him, and, and he had a tremendous year and um, was a, a big part of the, you know, rejuvenated uh, defense for the squad. And um, but You know what, Greg, I mean... To, just to play devil's advocate here, for all we know, he might have gone to the, you know, to Pelota, to the, um, what sort do you want to use here? Um, you know, the board, to use a bad word for this, and said that he wanted a pay raise, and maybe they didn't give it to him, so maybe now he's coming out and talking about it. But the problem is to, to say something like, you, you want to play, and then name specific clubs and say they make you dream, that almost undercuts what Sabatini's job is supposed to do. I mean, the worst thing you'd want to do is, is force a hand with a transfer like that. Now Barcelona, Manchester City, and who is the other club he named? Paris Saint-Germain. And they're going to get David Luiz, so I doubt they would go for him too this summer. But either way, now they know that Benazio wants to play for them. He's, I mean, he said it publicly. Everybody knows it. That's only going to make his fee drop. It doesn't have to because Roma doesn't need to sell him. Right. He does have four years left on his contract. That's yeah. also true. Roma don't have to sell him. But I have never really seen the point in keeping a player who doesn't want to stay at the club. If he if he ends up staying and he wears the armband again, I'm going to be infuriated. I mean, he he's taking the armband. You know, we're not like Milan this season who just kind of have this ragtag collection of players who don't really mean anything to the club. Totti wears the armband, who's the greatest player in the club's history. And then when he's not there, De Rossi wears it. And then... You know, he's he's next in line above guys like Castagne, above guys like Pjanic who've been there for much longer. Even a guy like Florenzi who's grown up in Roma and knows what it means. So to say, to then come out and say that, you know, he's dreams of playing for a big club. I mean, how how are they supposed to take it? Well, 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 I mean, I can only imagine what's going through their minds right now. It will be difficult for him to continue 
since we all know how the fans are. Uh, he's hey, what like, he said was too, I mean, you're right. At the end of the day, what he said, the way he said it was just too insulting. I mean, I'm yeah. never going to forget what he did. No, I, I totally agree with Greg that that was, the way he did it was very disappointing. Um, I'm, I will be quite surprised if the board and Sabatini didn't know about this issue, that it kind of took them by surprise as well. Um, but just keep in mind that, you know, look at how Luis Saris wanted to go to Arsenal last year. And they said, not going to happen. And, I think Roma is in position to say, well, okay, well, you have four years left in contract. Uh, we won't sell you unless someone pays exceptional amount of money for you. And, right. And Which wouldn't, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, given how good he was, but it's just disappointing for a club whose slogan translates to, you know, Roma is not discussed. It's loved for a player after one a phenomenal season with the club to come out and say something like this. You know, it's it almost goes against what the club is trying to do. I mean, you have Pelota coming out every other week and saying he wants to make Roma a great club. He wants to make it a global brand. How is any club supposed to be great if every time a player becomes really good, you sell them? Mm. And I know last season we had a few big sales, but everyone's made it clear that this summer is not supposed to be like last summer. No one is supposed to leave. I even thought Pjanic was going to leave. But if you listen to the, his quotes in signing his contract, I'm more and more convinced he's actually going to stay. So for Benatti to do something like this... It's not like last year we had forced out Lamella and Marquinhos, neither of whom wanted to leave for the money. The money isn't needed this year like it was last year, in large part because of the Champions League group stage. But So to do something like this, to sell a, a piece of the team that could actually lead the team to greatness and to trophies, is it's it's so disappointing. It's, it's almost like hard to stomach. Yeah. It is hard to stomach, but one thing you have to keep in mind is this. If that is his end goal, we have two things going for us. Number one, we do not have to sell him. And number two, if he wants to achieve that goal anytime soon, he has to play still. And he has to play well. Yep. So, but, I mean, it could, this could get ugly. I mean, we all remember Berbatov at Spurs or um, I'm trying to think of some other big name cases. But, you know, we've had cases before of players refusing to play, basically forcing a transfer. And then, and then what do you do? I mean, how, how, how much do we want to escalate this? So I know David Luiz went the rumor 40 to 50 million to PSG, which is quite frankly insane for a player like David Luiz. But if we get an offer anywhere near those terms, let him go. He doesn't want to be at Roma. Why, why force him to stay? I agree. If, if we get, if we get a number in that, in that range, it's, uh, if we can get two center backs, neither of them as good as Benazia, but both of them pretty close for that money. Money well spent. We have more competitions to play in next season. And, you know, we can get guys. There are players out there who would love to play for Roma. Eriksson's a huge Roma fan. Not a center back, admittedly, but... Can we just get him on this team, please? I, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Yep. And with and with Sabatini at the helm, I mean, I wouldn't trust in anyone else more to reconstruct the team into something greater. But I was really hoping that Roma would become great alongside with Benatia. And I think it was such great symmetry that this season that both teams... Both Benatia and Roma, both player and team, were so much better than they were last season together. It was it was like a perfect fit for both of them. Right. But yeah, that's, that's a really good point because it's it's definitely a two way street here, and he needs to see the value. It wasn't just what he did for Roma. I think you know Roma helped put him 
In absolutely, in, absolutely. In, I mean, he had a great coach before in Guidolin, but Rudy Garcia, what he's done for Benatia, and actually, I know Imran, a good friend of the show, was talking today about how he thinks that in Garcia's system, the center backs are, you know, he's not doubting how good Benatia is, but he thinks that the center backs might be more disposable than some other parts of the system. Um, which may be true. I mean, we won four out of five games Toloi started this season. We only lost one of them. And he's certainly a huge downgrade from Benatia. Uh, cause the rest of the team especially functions so well. So, it's a lot to consider, but not the way you'd want to start a, a pre-World Cup Mercato. Oh. I've got, uh, a news update. Francesco Totti has scored on a half volley. Very nice, uh, goal. Roma is up 1-0. Yay! Against Orlando City, <laughs> and and it hasn't. By the way, it hasn't been like chance after chance after chance against Orlando City. It's a pretty it's a pretty bad team. I shouldn't say it's a bad team. It's a pretty B squad that Roma have out there. I think Paredes is playing, and Sanabria, and Sanabria, two two of Sabatini's uh, buys from this January. I'll be interested to see how they do. I digress. I just wanted to give uh, a little bit of an update to you guys. And uh, if you missed out on the Totti uh, Google Hangout today, many people joined just which to I see Greg's face, which is, was <laughs> awesome. So, Greg, did you actually make it like into the chat with Totti? Well, so here's how they did it, and this was a bit confusing. He joined other chats that were already set up, other Hangouts that were already set up. So you were supposed to set up a hangout, invite people in, and he would randomly just appear in all these different hangouts. Oh, I see. Okay. And so we had one game during this hangout. So yeah. I did not get to stay off for Memorial Day. So we, he did not, uh, he did not make an appearance in ours, but, um, nevertheless, I think there was, uh, some really good conversations. But people were like, where's Totti? And we were like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were people that would pop in like, nope, not in this one, then they would just leave. Yeah, it was weird. It was definitely that's weird. Cool. But that's uh, a fun that's a fun thing. Yeah. Fun uh, uh you know, the marketing side of Rome is so good now. I mean what they do in technology, you know, they were wearing the Google Glass today in Orlando, another US tour this summer. The off the pitch stuff is going so well. It's nice to see the on the pitch stuff finally matching up this year. Um but I guess, I mean, any final thoughts with Benazia? I guess we're really just going to have to kind of wait and see what happens. But yep. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we were to wake up, you know, Monday or Tuesday and see that, you know, Barca bought him for 45 million euros or which, well, actually, whatever it may be. That's a great point because isn't that – that's the one quote that we haven't actually said yet was he ended it with he expects some news soon. Yes. Right? He said the upcoming days, I think. So. Yep. By the time this is up, it might have already been resolved. But who knows? I mean, honestly, I don't know. I was just, I remember I was sitting in the theater last night waiting for our 10 p.m. showing of um, X-Men to go on. And I was on Twitter. And I saw that Thomas Hoy was tweeting at Barca stuff. And I saw the quotes and, like, my stomach just sank. I didn't even want to watch the movie anymore. <laughs> and you're, you're... It was okay. You're fi- the movie was okay? It was okay. Okay. Yeah. So... All right. Well, that, uh, you know, definitely so much more to come on that. Uh, unfortunately, I have a feeling, you know, it'd be nice if it was just one thing and it was, oh, yeah, no, no, that that's fine. I, I was just joking. I, one thing I do want to say is that 
Benatia looks like the only piece that might leave this summer of all the big players. I mean, talk of Lajic, talk, you know, Bastos, Toloi, whatever, but it doesn't look like anyone else is really going to go. No, it seems like Strootman turned down United. Um, yes. Yeah. He's, he was also in a tough spot because of the injury. He's not really due back for a while. It would have been a huge risk for that. Yeah. For us, too, for what it's worth, but of course we're, we would never abandon him. Of all the players we have who has attracted interest, I think Strootman is the one to keep. But you know what? I'm thinking about it now. And to go back to what, um, what Imran was saying about how the system is really what works well for Roma. We've lost Strootman this season. Nangolin slotted in. He wasn't, I mean, he's not quite the same, but more or less without missing a beat. When Venati or Castan was out, Toloi stepped in, Bordiso stepped in, Romagnoli stepped in. And I mean, the team kept plugging forward. I mean, we were missing fullbacks. Uh, we lost almost everybody except like De Sanctis this season, an entire front line, and to still get the best points total in the club's history and be that close to a title, way much closer than the table makes it seem, yeah. was really astounding. And, yeah. and, you know, a total that, you know, I know this is a bit of a dubious fact, but that in other, many other years would have been enough to win. Yeah. And if, if, um, Juve hadn't won the Scudetto, and Roma basically give up the last three games. I mean, our our final game was basically the Primavera and B players playing against Genoa, and they actually did pretty well, I thought, all things considered. But I mean, those those would not have been three losses. There was definitely an apathetic nature to those efforts by the team, yeah. which I thought was maybe Garcia's one misstep this season. Maybe we can kind of turn this into a season review here. Well, as soon as he said, I thought it was odd how he maintained that the Scudetto was possible. The day before, he finally conceded and said the Scudetto was Juve's, and it was like a switch was turned off. Yeah. And that was the game we lost 4-1. We lost the best defensive record in the league. Um, it was after we, the Sassuolo-Juventus game when Juventus won, and he was like, okay, it's over. And uh, yeah. you but didn't recognize the, the team. Still, it was still one point. It was still not guaranteed yet. It, mathematically, I think that if we had won that game, Juva would have had to wait one more week to do it. So I thought it was a weird time for Garcia to finally admit it was over because, I mean, I never really thought it was on to begin with despite our good, you know, our amazing start to the season just because of how deep Juve are. But I thought it was odd that he, he waited till then with, I mean, we were basically close enough where everyone knew it, but why, why give up when it's so mathematically possible? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if he was just not wanting, Tired, a little bit tired of the uh, war of words with Conte. I think he was just like, you know what? There's bigger fish to fry, and I'm gonna right. keep those. These and to be fair to him, I think everyone was tired of that war of words. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, guys, we ended up second place. A lot of positive things happened this season. Do you guys want to? Um... Let's roll through the uh, four different phases of the field, right? Through goaltending, defense, midfield, and, and forwards, and then, I guess, ending it with uh, Garcia. Okay, then let's get started with goalkeeper. We had really two, Morgan DeSantis and Lucas Skorkrupsi is my attempt to say his name. Um, I think Skorkrupsi played three times and DeSantis had all the other games, unless I'm mistaken. The numbers aren't important. It was pretty much all but a few, and then... Yeah. Went to Sanctus and Scroops, you played the rest. DeSantis signed him last year from Napoli. I think his transfer fee was half a million euros. 36 year old guy, known for being a pretty solid keeper, made a lot of mistakes towards the end of his spell in Napoli. 
That dude was nowhere to be found. He did make a few mistakes. Admittedly, I think one of them was against Napoli in the Copa, his own side. But overall, he was, I thought, probably the best goalie we've had in a very long time. And I didn't expect that at all. That's uh, a commentary on, on two things. Number one, the fantastic season that he did have. And number two, how not rich we've been with goaltending. But not for lack of trying. I mean, we did buy Martin Stecklenburg. Uh, on a, on a, da- I mean, that was a reclamation project, though. He had already started the decline, um, which was realized in, in full effect at, at, right. I mean, what a difference it makes just having a goalkeeper who's used to the league. It, it was, he, he, you know, unlike Stecklenburg, couldn't talk to the back line, constantly shouting at the team. Yeah. yeah adding him and Mike on to the defense, they could have been two old men who didn't know what they were doing. But instead, they really whipped that defense into shape. They organized the hell out of that back line. Yeah, that's... And Sank- What's that? No, go ahead. I was going to say, DeSanct is commanding in the penalty area. Very good shot stopper. Um, you know, like I said, occasional... Some of his mistakes, I thought, were more... Not really positioning, just like mistakes when he tried to make a save. Like that one time he tried to parry the ball against Napoli. I think it was in the Copa, and it ended up in the back of the net. You kind of butterfinger stuff more than anything else, but it's hard not to. I mean, I was thoroughly surprised. I, I, I was. I think he ended up with tied for clean sheets with Buffon. We don't have the stats. In, I don't have the stats in front of me. I could be making that up, but I think you know he was. He had a lot of clean sheets this season, mm-hmm. which was also due to the defense in front of him. But he, he played a hell of a season. He did, and, and the, it's the organization and the leadership that you talked about, Julian. That I see the greatest value. I mean, yes, he did make some great physical stops, but. The fact that we had somebody back there who was in complete control of the four players in front of him, and five if you want to include when De Rossi, you know, drops back, uh, was the biggest difference in the ascension of our defense. I agree. You, I like said, you said what I wanted to say only in perfect English. <laughs> yeah, but you get to say it in like what an Alex comment, huh? Good English, but with an accent, and that always wins. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's let's move then on to that uh, defensive back four. And I know we did on it. Alex the defense because we took goalie and he didn't get to say anything. So let's hear what he has to say about the Come defense. On, said, I agree. I mean, that was like phenomenal. <laughs> but yeah, let him. We'll let you lead on D. <laughs> to summarize. Um, Benatia, probably the best player we had this season. Castan stepped up when he needed to. Maikon. A true leader. I, I would say Maikon, I mean, you could say a lot about Benatia being the, the best buy as well, but he cost like 13 million euros, but getting Maikon for free and looking how he has contributed this season, I mean, just look at how he tracked backs. It's amazing to see those Yes, those although, runs. to be fair, he is, I think, the fourth highest paid player on the team. Yeah, well, he came for free, so it's probably... Right, but know. his wages are high. Yeah. You know, it, it's a balance. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. He's been superb. The only yeah. thing is, no comp- it's, it's the left back, though. Uh, that's the only issue we had this year. I, I think. really think this is an overstated problem. It's an issue, because we started out with Balsaretti, and where is he now? And then it was Dodo, 
and then it was Romagnoli and Pastos, and you know we never had and the one. And I see this, I think, one, a couple of occasions. Yeah. But Alex, I mean, all things being said, we, we, as you mentioned, we went through like three or four left backs. One of them was a player who was not a left back. He was a 19-year-old center back playing as a left back, and the team barely skipped a beat. I mean, that's not. That's pretty amazing, actually. How many teams go through three, left, four, three or four left backs a season? Almost none. Even you know teams in the Champions League, teams that go far in the Champions League, they're rotating like crazy. Maybe they'll go through three, you know. But it's, I, I think it's hard to complain. We went from one of the worst defenses in Serie A last year to the second best. Yes, I agree with with all of what you guys said, and it is amazing that with all that change and all those bodies moving around and positional, you know, swaps that we that we were able to kind of keep the record and and the performances that we were. But that doesn't mean that there weren't tons of missed opportunities or, uh, you know, things that could have been better. I think our flanks are definitely something that we need to improve on because you can look at a game where we're playing uh, – <clears throat> a lesser team and, and they do a good job and everything stays well, but if you had a better player, instead of the, the player who maintained, if you had a better player, one that could excel in that role, how many opportunities in games that were crucial that we didn't come away with full points could that have made a difference? I, I mean, I see what you're saying, Greg, and every team can always get better, and I think Going forward, we are going to need to sort out the left back situation. If if in, if that means deciding Dodo's the starter and we'll take it from there, or signing someone we think should be the starter, then we can do that. But on the other hand, I mean, we set the club record for most points ever. We could have done better a lot this season, but very few teams did better than we did. The only team that did it was the Juventus side, and I'm still not terribly convinced that they're 17 points better than Roma. I think they're a lot less than that better than Roma. They are better than Roma. But 17 points, I'm not buying it. Well, well that's because we dropped nine <laughs> at the end of the season. Right. We, I mean, we doubled their lead at the top of the table for them, essentially, which made it look a lot worse. But even then, I mean, there were times, especially early this fall, when we were playing spectacular football. It might have been the best football I've ever seen a Roma side play when we were on that 10-game winning run. It was superb. And Juve were winning, but it was unconvincing. They were sloppy. They were just getting the goals that they needed, but, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. There's no, you don't get points for playing well versus crappy. Exactly. Um, but let me ask you a question. Do you think that they deserve to be 17 points off first place? It doesn't. By the end of the season? It doesn't matter to me. Seven or one. It doesn't matter. I'm just, now we're having like, you know, theoretical exercise yeah, here. I could care, I could care less if, if, you know, literally, and yeah, I don't want to go all Ricky Bobby, but you know, it's kind of sort of like if, you're not first, you're last. Um, but, you know, there are other positions that help you and give you things. So that's even more to my point. So, yeah, they didn't finish first. So it doesn't matter. They did finish second. So it doesn't matter whether they finished second one point behind or 17 points behind. They still finished second. And that same second, whether it's one point or multiple behind, is valuable and has, you know, a financial gain to it. And it puts them back in Europe, which is attractive to players that want to come to to play for us. So between the three of us, what do we expect for next year? Dynamite segue, Juju. Thank you. Um, now, now that being said, I don't have an answer. 
<laughs> now, this is now to be fair. This is a really tough question to ask without knowing what the final roster is going to be like, because I think everyone expects us to reinforce pretty decently this summer. Um, and we just don't know who we're going to bring in. But what do you think would be, let's say, the minimum expectations for next season? Minimum expectations for me and Alex and Julian, you guys can follow up, um, would would be Champions League again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I actually think I could see it going one of two ways. It depends on the Champions League draw because we're in pot four almost guaranteed by this point. If we get a really hard group, which is very, very possible. Likely. And it becomes clear early on we're not going to get out of the group. I'd rather put all of our eggs in the league basket because it's going to be more or less a waste. The Europa League, I'm still not really convinced on. If we go out of the group early, here's what I'm thinking. Juventus have just won three Scudetti in a row. They want the Champions League now. I don't think their focus is going to be on the league next year. Napoli, I'm not really convinced yet either about how they can do against smaller teams or their defense. And everyone else is so far behind that the league might be pretty ripe next year for Roma Scudetto. On the other hand, if we get an easy Champions League draw and we can make it to the knockout rounds, then yeah, all I want is to be finishing the Champions League spots again. But next year could go either way. I think I think uh, Juventus have a two stable platform where even the reserves uh, or those who who are mainly focusing on uh, Serie A and those players they will rest for Champions League. I think they have enough stability to more or less produce not the same results we saw this year because that was very extreme, but even. Uh, a weaker side next year will probably be a bit too strong for teams like Roma, Napoli, Fiorentina, especially when you see what happens to us because we were the main threat to Juventus this year and now we we sit here and talk about the player of the season, Benatia, that he might leave. It doesn't leave us right. with the best position going into a new Although, season. So there's a lot of there are a lot of variables here. I mean we talked a lot about Roma's injuries this season. You know, if Pirlo or Vidal gets the ACL injuries Trutman have, or like I said before, if Totti and Gervinho's injury were Tevez and Lorente, we would we might have a very different outcome at the end of the season this year. And I know Napoli suffered a lot with injuries too. If they were healthier, maybe they would have been second. I mean, it's it's impossible to say. But Fiorentina as well. Fiorentina were hit hard. Yeah, they were hit hard by injuries too. But I mean. I don't know. You can only play with the guys you have. And even with all the... I think Roma were hit especially hard by injuries this past season. That's the that? point, though. He doesn't want to... You know, Not only doesn't want to break up, but we need reinforcements. Because those things are probably going to happen again. And we just need better players for when they do. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of Juventini who says, you know, they probably won't win it next year. But the thing is, they are in such a comfortable position while... Everyone else is struggling, so it's not the. It's not well, the but being comfortable isn't necessarily a good thing, Alex. Uh, it, it might be a case where they might rest on their laurels too much. No, it well, could work I, in our favor. That's what he means by comfortable. I just think that the league is not what it's supposed to be. I mean, Milan and Inter. Uh, what kind of teams have they become? Well, the- I mean, they have their own problems, but you look at Napoli and Fiorentina. 
both of whom have significant issues, but they're not far away from being genuinely very good teams. But they are very far away from being a Scudetto contender. But only, I mean, I, I this Juventus side, I still think th- their core is pretty old, and they're not going to win it every year. It's it's not, it's just not going to happen. I mean, Barzali, Buffon, Chiellini, I think is just about 30 or thereabouts. Tevez is there. Torrente is just about there. I mean, unless they start significantly doing what Roma's been, which is investing a lot in younger guys, they they have a team for the now, and I think we have a team built more for the next year or two, maybe three. That was a great uh, defensive uh, recap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, the midfield then. Well, I'll, I'll start, and we can all just kind of jump in. So, Overall, and I think this is one of those things when Garcia started, he talked about how critical midfielders needed to be in his, in his system and, uh, and the, the first comments about his system being one of, you know, positional kind of ambiguity, uh, which eventually he pushed down to the forwards as well where, you know, yeah, you may be penciled in left, center, and right, but when the ball's in play, find the open spot, force the defense to think, you know, or, or confuse the defense by not always kind of running in the same channels, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it started with the midfield. And the first thing that that did for me was it it, it made me feel like, because I know I, I wrote a piece last year on Roma Journal about roles and the value of roles, and that Pjanic didn't seem to really have a good one with the club. You know, two years on the team and, and he was really kind of struggling to, you know, is he a regista? Can he, is he, is he a trequartista? You know, or is he just attacking midfielder or center mid or, or what, what exactly is he in order for him to be the best for the club? And I say this pretty much every podcast, uh, and on Twitter and anywhere else I can. I am, I am the biggest critic of Pjanic. It's uh, true. It's it true. It's so, it's so, it's totally true. I am, I am his biggest critic, but I am also not blind and can say that this was by far his best season, uh, as a Roma player. And I think a lot of that had to do with the freedoms within Garcia's system. And additionally to his credit, he never quit on tracking back. He isn't a guy that's like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to use these freedoms to be much more attacking. No, often, oftentimes, hustling back, helping out the defense. Um, and so I think that was the first thing that helped the midfield this year was Pjanic yeah. finding a role that was very, very good for him. DDR is always going to find the stuff that he knows what he has to do. You know, he roams a and little bit. And it helped that last. this year he, he was... Um, I think we saw under Zeman a lot. He kind of felt like he had to be a regista. Right. And this season, it was kind of... I wouldn't say it was typical defensive midfielder De Rossi because he still likes to do his long passes, but they were much better. I, I just think he, he had a lot more faith in himself, and Garcia let him know what he had to do much much better. And just to add to what you said about Pjanic real quick, Greg, before I let you go on, is that overall, I think what we saw this year that helped him immensely was Garcia improved the defensive side of his game yes. tenfold. Yeah. Just... Way better, way better at tracking back, way better at hounding opponents, way better at winning the ball. He, 
I don't, I mean, I don't have the stats to back this up. So I'm, I'm just going with what my eyes have seen, but I've seen a player who now, you know, who was very good, good at, at passing, but now is, is just a better overall midfielder top to bottom. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a good point. Um, and then, and then the final piece of that midfield puzzle was the box to box player, right? So you had Strutman and you had Nangolan. Um, I, I don't want to classify Strutman as the offensive version and Nangolan as the defensive version because I think that's a slight to Strutman's defensive abilities. Um, but certainly, uh, Strutman has far more offensive abilities than, um, than Nangolan does. But that being said, again, uh, I don't, and he would be the first to admit this, and he actually did admit this, it wasn't a very strong offensive year for Strutman, all things considered. Um, he was Johnny on the spot with some of his goals, and that's fantastic. Uh, and he had a, a screamer of a, a shot outside the box as well. Um, but for the most part, I think in terms of his uh, playmaking, again, not his main responsibility, but certainly something well within his skill set that I think was probably not as as high as he would have liked. Well, and he still had five goals and six assists yeah, even yeah, no, before exactly. his injury. Exactly, exactly. Um, so just to, to prove the point that he does have those abilities. Uh, so combined, it was the right kind of people in the right kind of roles, in the right system, believing in each other, trusting each other. And I think our midfield was outstanding. I mean, we can talk about today who came in and an emergency. Um, <laughs> listen, listen, he came in and he, he played great, right? He did a great job for him uh, and for the team. And he's always been such a great soldier for Roma. And I, I just, I was thrilled for the success that he had this year. I bet Ted A thinks Roma's a big club. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that right. It's almost almost like we forgot we had uh, Michael Bradley uh, this season. Oh my God! Can we not talk about him, please? Yeah, yeah my Michael Bradley tolerance is at an all time low. Um, <laughs> you know, but, all right. But, so just just I mean, you know what? He's he's the Nangolan ish, right? A little bit light, Nangolan light, perhaps. Um, same kind of player. Uh, but if, if you want to call a spade a spade, Michael Bradley was the worst player to play in Rudy Garcia's midfield this season. Uh, I'd have everyone played in the midfield except for Bostos. He was better than Bostos. Yeah, for the, I mean, but those were like sub situations and. Right. I mean, he had that goal against Udinese. Yep. Thank you, Michael. That was great. But Tadei outperformed him. Nangolan outperformed him. Everyone in front of him outperformed him. And this the fact that we got $10 million for him was a pretty good, was actually pretty good. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a decent player, but for a team with Roma's ambition, all he was going to be was a bench player. So, so that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's my, my comments on, on Bradley were going to be, you know, be this, and that's nothing that he did was necessarily wrong, um, but there were just better players in front of him, and he was, he wasn't, he wasn't bad, but he was infuriating at times. I mean, there were games where it seemed like the only thing he could do was pass sideways and backwards. Guys. I mean, there were, there were, Huge spells of possession where, like, I felt like he couldn't get the ball forward, and that, that's a major problem. I can say that about a certain other Roma midfielder that I'm heavily critical of, but I'm not going to. Are you going to see Miralem Pjanic, Greg? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just said I'm not going to say who. Um, <laughs> now you have to say. Who. Uh, so anyway, no, say who it is, Greg. 
So we can criticize you on here. Miralem vexes me so. Um, Greg, are you comparing Marilyn Pianich to Michael Bradley? They have the same barber. I can't. No, Michael Bradley doesn't have hair. I know that. Hey, welcome to the joke. All right. So anyway, um, I think uh, you know he, he was a, he's Today. a serviceable guy, and you hit the nail on the head. He was never going to be a full time starter. He's a bench people, guy. People giving too much time on this podcast. He was fine off the bench, though. He was fine off the bench for me. He was okay. I'm just, I mean, Nangolan's expensive. I mean, we paid nine million for essentially half of him, but he's he's just a much better fit in this in this system. I mean, he's been really good. Um, and I just wanted to say really, really quickly because you guys covered everything that else I was going to say. I just wanted to say that Kevin Strootman was the embodiment of this Roma for me. If I had to pick one player out and say that was Rudy Garcia's Roma this season, it was Kevin Strootman. I I would I would be hard pressed to argue with you on that. I think. Um, you know that the kind of passion and the the fury and the excitement and you know everything. He had the grinta we've been missing for so long. Yeah, yeah. Yep. the ability to take the team on his shoulders. That equalizer he scored against I think it was Catania earlier this season. One of my favorite goals of the of the entire year. And it was just a tapping in the box, but he did it, and you could see like he just urged the team forward. And I mean, on a, a terrible thing the injury was for him. It really was just. Yeah. Oh, such bad timing for. But even which should have like the how he handled that. You know, I think that that's an even bigger testament to him is is how he's gone about handling that. And you know what? He came out and say, Louis Van Gaal is the Man United coach. I want to play for a big club where my dreams can come true. <laughs> Shut up. I bet I bet Strootman thinks Rome is a big club. That's going to be our line. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so let's move to the forwards. You have Francesco Totti, who we really just, that, I mean, that, his name should be the, the, like the praise. So I'm not gonna, that's, that's it. He was, he's Totti. Um, he probably thinks Roma is a big club. <laughs> he definitely thinks Roma is a big club. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gervinho, man reborn. I mean, I feel like we've said this all season. It's really hard not to repeat ourselves here. Gervinho was great. Destro. How about Mattia Destro this season, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't really consider him a part of the squad. Uh, just, I don't know, in November we spoke about I mean, it. As much as we all want another striker like Mandzukic or Jaco, Destro was like one of the most clinical goal scorers in Europe this season. If he wasn't injured until January, if he was able to play in those four games, you know, I mean, what this Roma could have been with, with a fully fit Destro all year... Instead of Borriello up front in the, when, uh, Gervinho. Borriello is our third still. Yeah, but he, he played much when Totti and uh, Gervinho was injured and we didn't have Destro as well. So he could have done much for us in that period of time. This was Destro's like coming out season and in 18 appearances, I think he had 13 goals. So that was, I mean, now we all expect great things from him all the time, but he, there's no doubt his positioning is good enough. And his finishing is good enough. He's a superb striker. He's an amazingly technical striker and a lot of fun to watch. And his hat trick this season was another moment of season for me. Another moment of come again. The season. Okay. No, I agree with on Destro. The only thing which was a bit sad this season, I think, was that Florenzi started off quite well and then kind of disappeared behind the just success. like last year. Yeah. yeah he did the same thing last year although just that, like, that last just like, goal was phenomenal yeah 
I wonder if Florenzi is a case where he plays a lot in the early parts of the season. And, I mean, you know, he's but before last year he was in Serie B. I wonder if he still just doesn't have the stamina to go a whole season in, in the league yet. Because I, I can't think of what else it would be that keeps, after the winter break, he just seems to struggle. But let's also look at the fact that he lost his spot. I mean, Gervinho came on and and was all of a sudden now he, he's not coming out of the lineup. Totti came back. He started the season together with Totti, Gervinho, and Florenzi. Right, right. It was once- I'm getting there, but I'm getting there because Totti came, comes back from injury, and then Destro comes off of his, you know, injury return. So all of a sudden, those three, if they're healthy, have to play and have to start. So all of a sudden, Fair. where where does where does Florenzi go? Yeah. It's got to be a question of the system you want to use. I mean. In Florenzi and Gervinho, you have two very good wingers. You have Totti, who can be really anything you want him to be. And then you have Lajic and Destro, which are kind of more enigmas. Destro, more of a prima punta. And Lajic, who really, God knows what he can truly be if he, at his best, because he wasn't. But the front line was a big dilemma for Garcia this season. And I, he did a good job juggling it, I think. I think we were all kind of mad when he left out Lajic. But once we heard the reasoning, I think we were all kind of cool with it. But yeah. but Jajic did quite well when he stepped in for Destro in uh, when he was suspended. To me, though, it, it's just for him. I, I sum him up in two words: not enough. You know, whatever he did, even the good, it just it wasn't enough. You yeah. look at the last game against uh, against Genoa, and and you know, listen, this is potentially your last time in this uniform, and. And the, I did not think he had a very good game at all. I, I don't think he has the mentality that fits the club's profile. Uh, I think we need, like the, the Grinta we spoke about in, in Strutman. So he's definitely not, uh, indispensable. I think he will be sold for the right offer. Uh, that said, he's a big talent. So but the I, right offer for him is going to be tough. I mean, we bought him for, I think, 12 last year. And his and value's only gone down. I don't want to. I still think he's a, some of that. What's that? We have to give up some proceeds. I don't think so. I, I mean, it's been one season. I'm not ready to write him off yet. No, no, no. His last six months at Fiorentina were superb. No, we. I really think that somewhere in. Saying, Julian. What's that? We have to give up proceeds, is what I'm saying. Based on the contract, I think we have to give X percent to Fiorentina if we sell him. I mean, in that case, I would. I mean. I still think with the Champions League next year, there's going to be more rotation. He'll have, he'll have another chance. I would, I'd give him another chance. I wouldn't write him off yet. No, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not writing him off. I don't mind him being a bench player, but he minds him being a bench player. And you also wonder that if, you know, he's a player who needs to be playing week in, week out. That's a good point, and I think he I'm, just might be. Yeah, and uh, the same goes for Destro and Florenzi, and uh, we have Gervinho and Totti. So, but with Champions League, I think we can, I think we can rest assured that everyone will have their chance to shine. Yes. So. Yep. That's not a problem. There might be some weeks where we're playing like three times in eight days, and in that case, we're going to need to rotate pretty heavily. So, having guys like that, it's it's only it's I mean it's only going to help us. Yeah. How awesome is that though, for us? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's so nice to have so many more games now. Yeah. I can't even imagine what it's going to feel like to hear the Champions League anthem again. 
and see Roma walk out of the, the tunnel. Yeah. It's been so long. I've, I've, heard, I've heard it plenty of times, but to hear it with them actually a part of it, then yeah, yeah. that's that's the good part. Yeah. So, uh, guys, we... Should we go into the questions? Because we talked for over an hour already. So. Yeah, we can skip Garcia. We can sum up Garcia in, in, in two words as well. Great job. Okay. So <laughs> straight into the questions. Fair. So is he the coach of the season or is it Conte? Oh, do we have to have, we talked about this on Twitter. We gotta do it again. Now. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding. It's not even up for discussion. It's Garcia. Yeah. So I'm ready. Hang on, I, I tweeted a lot since I reached, since I asked that question, so I have to scroll. You mean you're not giving us your full undivided attention? That's not good enough. Right, you are you are now light. <laughs> not good enough. <laughs> and you, Greg, you are the pianist on this podcast. How dare you slander me with such filth? Uh, no, you're the Francesco Totti. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'll accept that. Okay, we got a couple. Okay, go ahead. Twitter okay. questions. So, one question we got is from Chris, who says, "Where does Roma need the most depth next year with the Champions League? What position would you sign this summer?" Fullbacks. Yeah, fullbacks or uh, and and a center back. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but in terms of uh, quantity, we do have a lot of center backs. In terms of quality, not so much. If ben- yeah. if Benatia leaves, that is. Okay, and Daniel Lissoni, good friend of the show, he says, "What do you guys think of this U.S. tour straight after the season is finished?" I'm I'm honestly not a huge fan of this, especially since they're coming back. I don't. I'm not entirely sure what. The, the is it just Orlando City right now, and then they're coming back later? I have no, I have no idea what the remainder of this trip is, but we obviously know they're coming back uh, in July. So, right. I mean, it's such it's such a really a B side, and like the young kids that are playing, like I don't necessarily mind. And I wonder if some of this is tied in with like the Disney or the sponsorship deal, since they're they're back in Orlando. Oh, clearly, I I would guess that that's part of it. Um, but so close to the season, like, why not have Orlando be a stop on the summer tour? You know, I mean, yeah, I have, I would love to, I'm sure we should check out, um, Garcia's interview after the game. I'm, I'd be surprised if that question doesn't come up. I must say, I don't have much, uh, to add to that, really. We had one more question. Hang on one second, I just lost it. Wait. It's coming back. But someone asked us that since Benatia has forced Roma's hand, who else do you think will be sold? Jeffrey Hatch, thank you. Uh, so, do we think anyone else is going to get sold? I think someone will get sold, perhaps. Miralem Janic. Greg, stop it. <laughs> I think... You're embarrassing yourself, Greg. <laughs> Maybe Destro for uh, that silly amount of money Wolfsburg wanted to, to spend, but I, I don't I mean, think I... that's a reliable uh, rumor, but it was fun nonetheless. If Benatia goes for a big amount, we I could see us like you know not signing Bastos, maybe selling like a left back or something. But between that and the amount of money coming in from the Champions League, I don't really see a need to sell anybody else. Yeah, I unless it's, it would be a case for Garcia's like I don't want this guy. We're talking about name guys here. You know, this isn't like 
you know, if we sell some prospect or, or some other situation like that. Um, I'm sure we will sell someone, but I can't think of who it is. Bozzaretti, like, he's probably gonna go. I think, uh, Jajic will go if we go for someone like, uh, Iturbe or Serchi. They will be quite expensive, but if you can get 10 million for Jajic, you know, Sabatini, he can do wonders. Uh, that will make room for for a, a, a winger who has produced at the level we want to. So um, I I wouldn't say Jajic is unlikely a target for this uh, transfer window, but um, we don't have to sell. But it's you know if, if it's Benatia and someone else, I think that someone else can be uh, Jajic. Uh, I think it could be it could be Dodo. Which again, I also wouldn't sell, but I could see a case where if we do sign like an established left back, we let Dodo and Balzaretti go, and then we have Torosidis, Mykon, new left back, and then well, I guess I would leave it as kind of thin. We're still, yeah, we're still missing one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really think we we can really sell that many, maybe like two players, but that's kind of it. So, right. so what other questions we got? We don't have. That's any. it. Let's just uh, do the final minutes on uh, the next weeks. What will happen in the next weeks? We have a World Cup, obviously, and we have a Garcia who hopefully will resign a new contract. So what do you guys uh, look forward to within the next month? Fifth star. Um, <laughs> Benatia still wearing our colors and yeah. also playing for our team. Um, in case there's some other team out there that has our colors. Uh, Let you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because mm. cause I bet people on Lecce think Lecce is a big club. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, I mean, yeah, Garcia resigning. Um, Destro goes to the World Cup. De- Destro, it'd be great if he went to the World Cup. I don't think he's going to, but I, I wish he he were. It's It's tough. It's tough. There's, you know, hard. I, stiff we have to me. It seems like we have a lot of similar enough and not enough of differentiators. So, like, I have a feeling that somebody like Cassano may not get taken, um, in lieu of somebody else being taken. Yet, there's nobody else on the roster right now that can do the things that he can. Yeah, there's yes. no there's no number ten role without Cassano. Right. I, I saw someone talking about this on Twitter. I can't remember who, and I really agreed with it. It seems like going into the World Cup this year, like we don't really know what Italy's formation or who like their starting eleven is going to be. And going into the Euros, we knew it. We knew they were playing with like Cassano as a trequartista, we had Balotelli in the midfield. I mean, I wouldn't be really surprised to see like a four-three-three or like a three-five-two or four-three-one-two. I just don't really. It, it, I mean, this election will tell us really everything because you're right. If Cassano doesn't go, we can't play a four-three-one-two. It's just not going to happen. I don't. I don't know what formation we could play that would be successful. I mean, maybe a three-five-two, maybe a four-three-three, depending on the wingers. But I mean, I, I don't. There's still that would be Cerchi and creativity. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe three five twos are is Italy's best bet this summer. Yep. But uh, beside Italy, Nangolan not going uh, to the World Cup for Belgium. That's um, 
that speaks highly of the of the midfield they have, really. Does um, it? I mean, Fellaini's going. But, but he's been quite good for the national team. I so I'm, I like to make fun of Man United because they're bad this year and they're almost never bad. But yeah. I know he's been good for Belgium. But I mean, there were a few. There, they're I mean, they're obviously an incredibly talented national team uh, in this generation they've got going on. I still think they probably could have squeezed him in there somewhere. I don't have the list in front of me, but there are a few players where I was like, I don't know if he's not better than these guys. They say they expect him to contribute in the next qualification and that the national coach is quite loyal to those who have been playing for the team in the qualifiers and in Angolan hasn't been much involved and when he was True. he didn't impress that much so that's probably the reason. Sorry I need to interrupt to say that Dodo just hurt himself tripping over the ball. Like legitimately hurt himself? Yeah. Did he have to get stretchered off? He's well. The he's already off the. There's a, a long ball to him. He's he's kind of like laughing. I think Toti's making fun of him. Well, now we know why Dodo's went extinct. The long ball hit to him, and it was perfect. Kind of hit him like in in uh, in stride, and and he it looked like he just kind of maybe stepped on it and fell over. <laughs> I don't know, but the, the he's off the pitch, and they're looking at him. Do you think he thinks Roma is a big club? Uh, I think he better think that. Um, he def he definitely thinks it. I think he'll think it when when we send him to a smaller club. <laughs> That's yeah. when. Uh, Greg has no faith in Dodo. Greg has no faith. All right. Let's just wrap this up by saying that, uh, for the record, Greg compared Miralem Pjanic to Michael Bradley during this podcast. Jaya. I don't even remember how or why, but oh yes, uh, short short passes that go nowhere. Yeah. Um, if I had like game tape, legit game tape of every game, I would piece together a wonderful montage for you, but I will not. Greg, you know on YouTube, anyone can look like Messi. So even if you did piece together a montage, I'm still not buying it. I, I would I would make it contextually relevant. <laughs> if you could get me like 30 minutes, like a solid 30 minutes, where you can show me how Pjanic plays like Michael Bradley, I might reconsider. But I want thirty well, minutes. Only in the in the way that you described it, right? You 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 described a specific set of things that Michael Bradley did that infuriated you, and I'm saying he's not the only one that did that. That's all. Right. Fair. Fair. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Alex for the unenviable task of trying to edit all the crap that we just talked about, and Julian for his uh, expertise and. By the way, another congratulations to Julian on a fantastic year writing for ESPN FC. If those of you uh, are not aware, um, you should be because he does an amazing job covering Roma for ESPN. So, Juju, great job. Oh, thank you, Greggy. Yeah. I am just a fan blogger, though, not, not an expert. I should I should clarify by saying this. Well, we are calling you an expert, so you have to take it. So, suck it. That's, and I appreciate that very much, but I have never called myself an expert. I want that to be on the record. All right, it's on the record. Everybody, Alex, edit that part out. Um, <laughs> so, so he basically it, just it was, called himself an expert, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, for what it's worth, I think Rome is a big club. <laughs> Do you think Julian thinks Rome is a big club? <laughs> uh, so, great season, Roma. We love you. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back at it uh, in our typical one week later, which equals uh, about five or six weeks.
Yep, so we're not going to make any promises this time. We'll we'll do it when we do it, damn it. Yeah. All right, grazie Roma. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao, guys.